Did you have a good time? We hope you did. Praise God. Uh, we also thank the Lord for the, uh, the message that went out to the saints. Lord uh, impressed upon the heart of the pastor. You know, take very seriously these one calls that go out, brothers and sisters. Uh, it was a request, a very, very important request for sweet potato pie. That's right. And, and some kind of pound cake. Didn't matter what kind it was. Uh, and some of you, uh, lemon, orange, doesn't matter. Uh, we just uh, were trusting that the Lord would have spoken to many of your hearts and the Lord did. He spoke. He spoke, and uh, I'm willing to share. I have got a few pies in my office now, and we're going to do all that we can to uh, give thanks to the Lord for his blessings and consume every last one of them. You want to join me tonight for some pie? You are more than welcome, and my fingers are crossed while I'm saying that. But I want to thank all of you who, uh, you know, I'm a sort of a jokester, but I thank the Lord that y'all took it seriously. Praise the Lord. Annette, you have not made a pie. And I want to deal with you because of that. She's rolling her eyes. Pray for her, y'all. That message was really for Annette Gibson. And we, uh, we're praying for her, her spirituality. She will learn how to listen carefully to the voice of her pastor. Uh, we're glad to uh, continue to study. I want to invite you, if you would, to go to Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> Mark chapter 14. What book did I say, everybody? And let's look from the New International Version of the Bible. We will today. Mark chapter 14, and we'll look at verses uh, 1 through 9. Uh, these passages of Scripture are actually recorded... Uh, it's not that often that, this, that a story will be found in every single one of the Gospels. Those of you who are Bible students, you've probably come to realize that there are sometimes, sometimes you'll have one story in Mark and one story in Luke and one in John, and they often will not be repeated. But this one was so significant uh, that it was repeated from Matthew, Mark, to Luke, and John. Some of the scholars argue and suggest that it's not the same account uh, but uh, you go study for yourself, and I, I believe that each one, both in Mark 14, Luke 7, as well as Matthew 26 and John 12, are talking about the same story. Although I didn't want to preach this, this soon, I felt because of the holiday season, uh, as we are giving thanks. How many know it's not complain giving, but thanksgiving? Come on, say amen. Yeah, we're supposed to give thanks, and so I thought this would be a uh, as the Spirit has led me to be a, a good passage of Scripture to study. Would you join me as we read this together? The Bible says, now the Passover and together and the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, the Bible says, we're only two days away. And the chief priests, uh-huh, teachers of the law, were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. Now, here they are supposed to be celebrating the grace of God. He passed over and didn't kill him. And while they are celebrating the grace of God, they are seeking an occasion to kill somebody. Help us, Lord. Bible says in verse 3, while he was in Bethany. Somebody shout Bethany. Bethany. Continue reading. Reclining at the table. 
in the home of a man known as Simon the leper. Watch that now. So we got different characters. We got Simon the leper. A woman, we got a woman now, came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Let me pause here and say this. If you read John, you'll come to discover that this woman, in fact, is Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Lazarus and Martha. I believe it is also Mary Magdalene. Uh, those of you who are students of scripture will come to understand that there is a discussion as to whether it's the same person. But I believe that it is the same person as my studies have led me. And you will see how this makes sense in light of our text today. A woman came with an alabaster jar, help me now, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. It doesn't say lard, it said nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Verse 4, verse four the Bible says, Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Now, let me pause here. If you read John, you'll come to discover that this, in fact, was Judas who said this. All right? Bible says, why this waste of perfume? It could have, this is, this is the voice of Judas speaking, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages. Wow. And the money given to the poor, a year's wages was 300 denarius. Now, if we factored that into our, our day and time, that's about $25,000 worth of perfume. A year's wage, $25,000. And, and, and let's be honest, if we use common sense, these brothers almost had a point. And this is how they reason. This is, and listen to Judas. You know, he says, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold. <laughs> uh, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. Sounds so spiritual, Judas. And they rebuked her harshly. Verse 6. Like, watch Jesus now. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will have with you and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body. Jesus is taking over now. Beforehand to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever. Now this is. Now watch this. Wow. Wow. And this is the reason why it's in every one of the Gospels. Can't miss this story. This has got to be in there. I tell you the truth, wherever the Gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Wow. The title of our message today is Break Your Box. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are asking for a significant outpouring of your spirit. Generally, when the word of God is preached, taught, read, there comes this spirit of the enemy to hinder people from hearing what God has to say. Sleepiness sets in. Uh, our minds are bombarded with problems and issues and things that we cannot control. But God, in this moment now, not because of who's preaching, but because who's speaking, we pause in this moment and we say, speak, Holy Spirit. May nothing 
May nothing get in the way of what God has to say, including the preacher. Preach today, Jesus. Let the word of God be made clear and may it be life changing. This is our prayer in Jesus name. And everyone said amen. Amen. And amen. Last Sabbath, uh, we talked about the the choosing of Jesus of the disciples. And uh, we were kind of perplexed. And the truth of the matter is, if, if, if the disciples were alive today, they would not be chosen to do anything in our churches. Anything. Come on, say amen, somebody. Fact of the matter is, if, if all of us could see people's hearts, we wouldn't choose any of us to do anything in church. Come on, say amen, somebody. Uh, the only reason why we serve, we said, is simply because the Lord has been good. And so that no one really is qualified. Understand, no one really is qualified. Somebody say qualified. Nobody's really qualified to do the Lord's work. Mm. Nobody is really, nobody really measures up. Mm. You ain't been in church long enough. Your kids ain't been good enough. You ain't returned enough time. You haven't you haven't made as least amount of mistakes as somebody else to make you somehow worthy. <laughs> Who is worthy? The Apostle John said, and only, and only and only one person I can think of that's worthy is Jesus. The only person I know that's ever done it the right way all the time is Jesus. There's only come on, talk to me in here. Uh, it's getting a little quiet. There's only one person that's ever lived. That can be called worthy. Jesus, thank you, Lord, is trying to teach us that his choosing is not based on common sense. If it was common, then there one of us would be allowed to do anything. We ought to rejoice today and be thankful in this season Because we have a God that still chooses folk, still calls folk, still uses folk. Now today, I am excited to preach this scandalous story. It is scandalous for a number of reasons. I don't know about you, but just reading the text makes me uncomfortable if I were there. Can you imagine being in a house, an ex-prostitute comes in. The dignitaries are seated all over the house. The Bible says they're enjoying their meal. People are eating and fellowshipping. They're talking about the latest decisions made in the conference office. Talking about what's going on in church. Talking about how the choir was and how life is. But, but mainly the conversation is about this miracle that Jesus recently has performed. You have to understand now, he has, he has not only made the religious leaders upset with this miracle, he has sent them over the top. He resurrects a man named Lazarus from the dead. And there is no way that they can controvert what has happened. Everybody knows the man was dead for four days. And we know from scripture that he waited intentionally just so that nobody could say that this was a scam, that he is a charlatan, 
that this is somehow some kind of magician work or chicanery. But in fact, this is a miracle. And to further add insult to injury, it's not just Jesus in the house. It's not just Simon, the former leper and Pharisee who hosted the party. It's not just Pharisees that are friends of Simon. It's not just Mary and Martha and Jesus. You got Lazarus sitting in the house. Ooh. <laughs> the evidence is in the room. Folk know in this small community of Bethany that the man was dead. Straight up dead. Graveyard dead. Six feet under dead. Gone. Memory perished. But now he's alive. And he's sitting down eating his sister's food. And there's no way in the world the conversation slowly but surely people are trying to figure out what questions to ask. But all attention is on Lazarus. How did it happen? What did you see? Did you see anything? The Desire of Ages says that there was nothing for him to share because the Bible says when the dead die, they know not anything. The only thing he knows is that he was once dead, but now he's alive. And can you imagine that those folk at that table are having church? Mary and Martha are rejoicing. They're full of joy. Understand now that, 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 that while this, this celebration is taking place, Simon, who is a former Pharisee and former leper, and I told you the other day that a leper in our society would be much like somebody who has AIDS. A leper was considered to be disgusting. As a matter of fact, it wasn't long, Simon. Let me talk about Simon for a minute. Let's deal with these characters. It wasn't long, Simon. That just a little while ago, you weren't even at home. You were sitting on a dunghill, scraping off flesh that was falling off. You had to cry out unclean, a former Pharisee. But now you're cut off from everybody, cut off from the church, cut off from your family. But because of Jesus healing your body, you are now in a place where you're re restored to your body and restored to your family and restored to society. And Simon is so geeked about it. He says, I got to host a dinner for Jesus. Call everybody. Let's celebrate what the Lord has done. So they're there. And I'm just standing in the room, if y'all don't mind. Let me just stand in the room on the wall. I just want to be a fly on the wall. And you can imagine now, have you ever been, have you ever been in a place where God has done something for you? Huh? And you just could not keep down the excitement. Understand now, we are moving. Hear me, let me say this. We are not to be moved by our heads. We are to be moved by our hearts. If you just intellectually think back on all the goodness God has done, that doesn't do anything for you. How many know that God has made ways for you? How many know that God has opened up doors for you? Has God healed anybody in here? Has God forgiven anybody's sins in here? Has he done anything for you recently? But understand now, are you the most grateful person in the world? Gratefulness does not come from intellectual understanding. Because everybody in here has got some story. Everybody in here has got some... Oh, come on, am I talking to anybody in here? Everybody's got a story. God has done something for everybody. And a lot of times, those of us who have not gone out and had this story where we, we went out, used drugs, got AIDS... Almost died, committed suicide twice, were resurrected. You don't got that story. But guess what? It doesn't matter what kind of story it is. 
there's also a story that he kept you. Hey, when I was at Thanksgiving, sometimes, you know, you hang around family folk and you look at folk that you grew up with and you see which direction their life went and you look at the direction your life went and you know that you're only but one choice away from blowing everything. Only reason some of us are sitting where we are right now is not because you made all the right calls. Simply the Lord kept you. I don't know why he kept me. He had no reason to keep me from some of the stupid stuff. I put my, but he kept me. And you've got to, we've got to understand, I just want to preach this into our hearts right now. Gratitude does not come from your head. It comes from your heart. Now watch this now. (laughs) The Bible says this dinner party is just, I mean, they have laid out the table. Martha, you know that's her thing. Martha straight can throw down, so much so that we understand that this was Jesus' favorite place to hang out. Now, you sure enough can cook if the man who made food likes your cooking. Come on in here, somebody. Everybody in here think they can cook. Come on, say amen, somebody. Everybody's mama makes the best this and the best that and the best this. I don't know who you are, but you ain't no Martha. Martha was a bad girl. Come on, say amen. She ain't have no microwave. Come on here, somebody. She didn't have no kitchen, kitchen aid. Come on, say amen, somebody. She didn't have the various tools we have, but something about Martha's ability to serve. And, and Martha was chosen by Simon. He said, if we're going to make this thing right, we got to get somebody that can throw down. Martha, come on in here and just lay the thing out. And I can see the table is spread. People are excited. And Lazarus is straight up there, real, in person. Wow. Can you imagine being, I just want to be a fly on the wall and everybody is just, just in exuberance. People are hugging Lazarus. They're eating. There's something about food and fellowship. It just wakes up a room. There's so much excitement. There's so much passion. And understand now, according to Luke, Mary, Martha's sister, who had a very scandalous reputation, to the extent that the Bible says that Jesus cast out seven demons from her. Ooh. She's been someplace. Come on, say amen. If, she, if somebody got a story, it's Mary. Seven times. Some of us begin to understand and we get this concept that if God has to deliver me from the same thing over and over again, that I'm, I, am, I, am, I am hesitant to go to him for that thing. Thank God Mary kept going back to Jesus. And understand this, thank God that Jesus keeps receiving us over and over and over again. As I understand the scriptures, I don't necessarily believe that she was delivered seven times. Seven is simply the number of completion. It simply means that she had been, she had gotten to a place where she was totally messed up, but she recognized that she totally needed forgiveness. And what God does to people who are totally messed up is he gives them total forgiveness. It's not incomplete. It doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. Don't matter what you've gotten yourself into. God forgives sins. Oh, help me out now. There is nothing in the church that is preached that should get us going more than that word right there. Your God still forgives sins. The same sins. The same mess. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You sit here forgiven. And watch this now. Watch this. Oh, my goodness. Help me to preach this today, Father. And people are just the enthusiasm in the room. People look at Lazarus and tears fall down their face. They cannot believe it. 
And then they look at Jesus and they're just baffled. What kind of God is this? And Mary, understand this, y'all. This ain't for everybody today. She just couldn't take it anymore. I see her trying to help her sister for a minute. You know, Martha, she just, oh, that's, what, that's her gift. She just likes to serve. And she's here and there. She's fussing at this one in the kitchen, telling this one, get this out. And Mary just, let me slip in here and sit at his feet for a minute. Mary looks at her brother. She looks at Jesus. She listens to the conversation. And then she thinks back from where the Lord has brought her. She remembers when Jesus found her in, in her mess. I'm talking to somebody in here. Have, have you ever been there where you just started putting all the things together? And just in, in that moment, your mind begins to stay right here. This, there ought to come a day in your life, at least once before you die, where you just think of the goodness of God. Ooh, and, 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 and while everybody else is just preoccupied with Lazarus and, and they're preoccupied with the discussion and the food, Mary's not hungry. Mary doesn't want to eat. Mary's just sitting there and I can just see the sister. You can just tell when, when God is working on somebody and, and she's not in the conversation. She just keeps thinking about the goodness of Jesus. And Mary's just, she's trying to keep her composure. She understands that everybody there knows where she's been and what she's done. And she's trying to think of a way. What can I do to say thank you? What can I say just if I can just interject in the conversation and, and share my story? But nobody would understand what I've been through. So she's trying to bottle it up. Have you been there before? She's trying to contain herself. And she sits this is no just an emotional response. Her heart has been touched by Jesus. And I see her, Lord have mercy. People are not noticing her. And the only thing she can think to do is, let me just do what is supposed to be done. Understand now, uh, you cannot look at this in the context of, of our society. Can you imagine us downstairs for fellowship dinner? And somebody walk up to a man who was a woman and breaks a vial of oil and pours it on his head, loosens her hair, extensions or whatever, no matter what it is, come on, say amen, and begins to massage the bare feet of a man at a dinner party. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? I almost had somebody illustrate it while I was preaching. Just so you can feel what they felt. And to think this is a former prostitute. <laughs> so she goes, now understand this. Anytime a guest came into a house, they were supposed to do two things. They were supposed to put Fragrant oil on their head. Why? Well, in those days, they didn't use deodorant. Okay? Just that simple. And sometimes it get a little musty. You're living in hot Palestine. It makes sense. Put some fragrance on folk so that we're able to focus on our meal. But it only called for just a few drops. 
something just to change the ambiance and the atmosphere and the smell. The other thing you were supposed to do was you were supposed to take water and wash people's feet. It was practical. It wasn't symbolic. It wasn't like at communion when we do it. We got stockings on. Come on, say amen. Stock, you know, no, 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 no. You're talking about wiping and washing literally the feet of, 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 of individuals whose feet had become saturated with Palestinian mud as well as the manure that was often left by, by walking animals. Dirty feet. So the guests simply by the host was just, let me freshen you up by putting a few drops of oil and let me wash your feet. It was common. But homegirl, and I can see her, she says she goes, she goes and gets her oil. Now the Bible says it's a year's worth in terms of amount. This is some expensive stuff. Most scholars suggest that nard came from India. It was exclusive. I don't know how Mary got to afford that, but I can assume how. I mean, it was an uncomfortable environment. And so she comes out unnoticed. Nobody's paying her any attention. And she tries to do it the way it's supposed to be done. I can see her take the flask of oil and the flask simply looked like it was narrow at the top and it was round and wide at the bottom. The bottom being the portion where most of the oil was. Now watch this now. Mary turned it over and, and when you got expensive stuff, uh, have you ever noticed on certain perfumes and certain, like anybody have olive oil? Uh, olive oil generally don't got no big cap on it. Come on, say amen. Not that stuff that costs $15 for a couple of ounces. Huh? It's got a little small so that you won't waste it, right? And, and, and so there's a small end at the top of the flask and Mary is trying to put it on Jesus. But understand now, she's trying to do what's right and she's thinking about who she's doing this to. And she begins to, to feel like this ain't enough yeah, yeah. for him. And I can see her now yeah. shaking it and it's not coming out the way she wants it to. And then the Bible says this. The Bible says she breaks the box. Now, let me tell you what it's saying here. In other words, what she simply did, I'm not long, I'm almost done. What she simply did was, is she broke the top flask, the portion that was holding back. The portion, the, the part of the flask that was keeping it conservative. The portion that, that would not allow the oil to flow. She said, this is not sufficient. This man set me free from sexual sin. This man delivered me from seven demons. This man just resurrected my son and he loves me. This ain't enough. The Bible says as they're enjoying their meal, they have not paid attention to her for one moment. She has not broken protocol, but there comes a time in your spiritual experience where you just can't do what's common. You just can't do what makes sense. Your heart has been touched by the love of God and you get overwhelmed and it just pours out. Boom. People are like, what's up? I hear the clanking of spoons and forks being put down. People are looking. What's she doing? 
And the Bible says she starts pouring a year's worth, 20 grand, she pours. 30, almost 30 grand, she's pouring it on the head of Jesus. Jesus is sitting there receiving it and tears are falling from her face. The Bible does not declare that this happened, but I believe that her mouth was responding. And while she was pouring, she was saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible says that the oil begins to flow down his head and and through his beard and, and down his clothing. It was so much oil. The Bible says that it fell to his feet and she was not done. Bible says she got down on her knees and and she took her hair and was covered but she removed the covering and the people at this point are aghast by her incredulity. Has she lost her mind? And the Bible says that Simon at that moment thought in his heart. He didn't say it with his words. He says, but if Jesus knew what kind of sinner this was, he would not be letting her do this but he kept on receiving it and by now she's down and her hair is out and 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 there's so much oil and the fragrance the bible says has filled the house martha has stopped her serving and she's concerned now that it's not supposed to be like this she's she's a very task-oriented person and things must go just so and and by now everybody is on looking She takes her hair and she's now scrubbing his feet with her hair. Tears, the Bible says, are mingled with the oil and mingled with the water. And and she and she keeps saying hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. At this point now, Mary is no longer thinking about who's in the room. At this point now, she's no longer concerned about who's looking. She, She says protocol is out the window. He's worthy of more than just this kind of praise. I've got to say thank you. I see Jesus locking eyes with her. Your faith has cleansed you. You're forgiven. See, I, there's no way, Pastor Moore, for us to preach this to our members. They have to get it by experience. I, you know, it, it concerns me that when we talk about being forgiven and the grace of God, that we're moved by that. It concerns me. Can I show you why? Watch this. The Bible says, now, did I tell you who was in the room? Simon used to be a leper. Alright? He's been healed. Then you got the disciples in there who I told you last week were nobodies. But now they're somebodies because of Jesus. And if you read the text carefully in John 12, the Bible says, here on Luke, and let's matter of fact, let's go there. Go to Luke chapter 7. Put that, put that text on the screen. Let me show you this. You need to see what the word says on this. Oh, bless his name. I'm almost done, brothers and sisters. Oh, help me to preach this thing carefully, Lord. Ah, uh, uh, Luke 7 and verse 36. 
I want you to go, take us, take us, media team, take us, take us to verse 39. Watch this. The Bible says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. How do you know that? You read this. Now, look, this is not, it's not in the Bible. So you take it for what it's worth. If you read Desire of Ages, Ellen White actually says that it was Simon who led her into sin. You, you, who, boy. You've been there with her, Simon. And now you're saying in your misogynistic way that she's a sinner and you're not. He's in his heart saying, if he only knew, God help us to stop doing this. What kind of person this was? They would not be doing A, B, and C. Come on in here. Come on, talk to me in here. And Jesus, and watch this now. Look what the word, look what the word of God says. The Bible goes on to say, it says in verse 40, Jesus answered him, even though Simon didn't say nothing. And he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. He said, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled. Thank you, Jesus. He canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? The Bible says in verse 43, here's the lesson we want to teach today. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Notice what Jesus says. You have judged correctly. Verse 44, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it possible to be forgiven little and be forgiven much? No. Ain't no such thing. What is Jesus saying? In other words, I'm not more forgiven than her. I'm not more forgiven than her. I'm not more forgiven than her. There's no such thing as somebody being more forgiven. Now, if we believe that certain people are forgiven more than the other person, then we have to believe that those people are worse than us. So what is he saying? He's basically saying the person that is aware. Somebody say aware. aware. This is what I want to get in our hearts today. Thus, this one point. The more aware that you've been forgiven, the more loving you are to Jesus. Oh, let me preach this right now. Watch this, sister. They say to her, why this waste? Either these guys lack straight up discretion. Hold on. Can you waste something on Jesus? And then they try to get spiritual about it and say this could have been given to the poor. 
And Jesus is so, he's so bad, man. He's just deep. He's like, well, the poor you're going to always have. I'm going to die in six days. What this woman is doing is preparing me for burial. So what she has done that even the disciples haven't done is she's already accepted the death of Jesus for the pardon of her sins. And all the disciples around him didn't believe that. Watch this. Watch this. People, this is all I want to preach today, that are aware of what Christ has done for them and the act of salvation and forgiveness of sin are the ones that serve him without limitations. People that make excuses and put limits on what they do and how they serve the Lord are individuals who are not aware of what Jesus has done for them. Let me illustrate this. Jesus... I'm almost done. Please stay with me. She poured oil and ministered to the body of Jesus. The body of Christ represents the church. There was a symbolic meaning here. Watch this now. The Bible says she first ministered to his head. So when there are two ways that we minister and show our love for God. We worship him. We glorify him because the head of the body is Christ. Understand that you ain't the head. He's the head. Ain't nobody in here the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And notice her priorities. She starts first with the head. And it teaches us a profound lesson. In order for us to understand the power of forgiveness and the power of being free and the power of being washed and the power of being cleansed, the first thing we want to do is the first thing is we want to worship God. Oh, don't take that lightly. The Bible says in Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Understand, we don't worship God because of music. We don't worship God because of a preacher. We don't worship God because we got a certain blessing. We worship God because he forgave us of our sins. And that thing moves us. And notice what she does. She does not limit her praise. She does not limit her worship, but the Bible says she breaks the box. I'm telling you, it's time for a generation of Christians to raise up who are no longer giving God what they want to give him and start giving God all that he's worthy of. Break the box. Break the box of your bad attitude. Break the box of of not wanting to serve because of people. Do you realize Mary could have made an easy excuse? The man that took advantage of her sexually is in the same house she is. If there was anybody that could have said, I don't feel like ministering to Jesus. I don't feel like serving. It got to be a woman who's in the same room with a man that took advantage of her. But when your heart is full of the love of God, You don't make excuses and justify your conservative. And what I mean by conservative, I mean holding back, only giving God just a small portion, but get into a place where you break the box and open up your heart and let it flow. It is an insult to God when we stop serving because we don't like what happens. 
It's an insult to your Savior who washed yourself. When you cop an attitude, because you don't like people. Notice what she did now. Listen, I don't know why the Lord's leading me here. Brothers and sisters, do you want to go to hell? I'll tell you how. Let people control your life and what you do. Let them do it. What, listen, one of the things that we're trying to teach our children right now, they just, I mean, they're hard in getting this thing, is control your response. Camden will pick on Taylor. Taylor will pick on Camden. And then they will come and try to get each other in trouble. So my, Cam, my mommy, Camden did this. Taylor did this, all right? And so me and my wife are this thing right now. We're saying, ignore them. Yeah. Matter of fact, you're going to get in trouble if you come and tell. We want you to work on working out your differences. Learn how to ignore so they will allow one another to mess up their whole life. And it's amazing because the person that gets in trouble is always the one who reacts. <laughs> it's like in football. The person who gets the flag is generally the person who's, done to, who's responding to what somebody else did. Understand this. When we respond to the work of God and to the body of Christ based upon what people do to us, then it reveals that we are, do not love the Lord. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You know why? Because you recognize that Jesus never kept your record. He threw it into the deepest sea. So she not only ministered to his head, which represents ministering to Christ, our worship, our vertical, our verse, I might say vertical, our vertical worship to God. But then he went to his feet. Now, understand, the feet represent the worst part of the body. Real love for Jesus doesn't just minister to the parts that they like and the people they like. You know you love Jesus when you're so thankful for what he's done in your life. That you no longer make a decision on who's worthy of your service and who's not. You get to a place. See, it all you must always stay here, stay here, stay here, stay. You have got to constantly, and the Holy Spirit is working on this old hard-headed preacher to get him to a place where he's no longer looking at what folk are doing and what they're not doing. Hey boy, I forgave you. Remember that. Put up Titus, the passage of scripture in Titus. The worst part. Somebody say the worst part. Huh? Well, you know, them folk, they just, you know, this, that, and the other. The Bible says, how can you claim that you love God when you only love the people that love you? That ain't ministry. What kind of worship is that? When you only work with people who, are, who, are, who agree with you and support you. What kind of glory does God get out of that? Worldly folk don't do that. People go to their their job every day and work with folk they can't stand. You know why? Because they got a common purpose. Get paid. But people don't have a common purpose in church. We're like Judas. We're more concerned about how we will personally benefit instead of whether the kingdom of God is benefiting. Look at Titus 3.3. The Bible says at one time, I love this text, you too were foolish. Don't you forget disobedient, deceived. Come on in here. 
Anybody agree with this in here? You, <laughs> me, huh? And enslaved. Come on, any, any folk used to be stuck on stupid. Enslaved, the Bible says, by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Preach, Titus, you're talking about me. The Bible says, but when the kindness, when the kindness, don't move this text, don't move it. When the kindness, whoa, sorry y'all. Thank you, Jesus. When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. Next verse. The Bible says, he Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us. Thank you, Jesus. Through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I'm done, brothers and sisters. You got to keep that in your mind. Thanksgiving ain't just because you here and you got a job and you got food on your table. And, I, and, I, and, I, and the Lord blessed me. He healed my. Shut up. You ought to be praising God that he did not count your sins against you. But he forgave you and cleansed you. And he keeps on doing it. He keeps on saving and keeps on healing and keeps on. And there's never a time that you go to God and he will not be there for you. He's always there every day, every second, 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. Heaven is open for business. And God says, I forgive you. I save you. Now rejoice. Bless him. Honor him. Worship him. Don't hold anything back. This is why. Uh, let, me, let me just let me, let me get off an of exit for a second. Do you remember when David was taking the Ark of the Covenant and he disobeyed God and he got Uzzah killed. Uzzah touched the Ark and the Bible says that he fell dead. David knew that should have been him. The Bible says the next time, he said, the next chance I get to bring the Ark of the Covenant, it ain't going to be about me. The Bible says that as he was walking the Ark in, he should have died. He should have died. He should have died. But now he yet lives to have one more opportunity to praise him. One more opportunity to bless his name. And the Bible says, just like uh, Mary, 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 the Bible says that he, he walks the Ark in and he's trying to compose himself. He's trying to follow the liturgy and he's trying to follow the, the litany and he's, he's trying to hold his peace and he's trying not to disturb the service and he's trying not to cause a ruckus. And after a while, when the thoughts about the goodness of God begin to get in your mind and get in your spirit and get in your heart, you don't care anymore about what the program is and what time it is and what day it is. It could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I've been driving in my car and I think of the goodness of Jesus. And the Bible says that David could not keep himself. And he began to dance before the Lord. And he danced, the Bible says, with all of his might. You know what we're doing? We ain't broke no boxes. 
We're still trying to dab it on his head. He said, break it open. And, and I want to, you know, you would think that somebody would have said, before they opened their big mouth, talking about what a waste this was, they should have said, what do you think about this, Jesus? You see how they went ahead of the Lord? Had their little pontification, prognostic, had their little point, thought Jesus was going to be impressed. Next time, you consult with him and see what he thinks about it. And you know what Jesus would have said? That's what I want. That's what I desire. Unreserved praise. Unreserved worship. Not the kind of worship that's based on circumstance or people. Not the kind of worship that's based on how I feel. Not the kind of service that's based on what's happened to me or what they... He said, I want people to keep in their minds the constant thought that if it wasn't for grace, they should have been dead. If it wasn't for mercy, they should have been killed. If it wasn't for the keeping hand of God, they should have lost their mind. Keep it in your head. Keep it in your mind. Keep it in your heart. The Lord has been good. The Lord has been kind. The Lord has been merciful. Rehearse it to your children. Rehearse it to your children. Talk about his goodness. Sing of his goodness. Praise him for his goodness. Lift your hands for his goodness. Stand to your feet for his goodness. Open your mouth for his goodness. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let the praises of God's people, let it flow. It doesn't matter anymore the only thing you can think about is he saved me he forgave me he washed me he cleansed me he saved my soul I worship him today. He didn't have to do it, but he did. And I feel like Mary today. I don't want to hold it back. I don't want to keep it to myself. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall be in my mouth. He's worthy. He's worthy. And I praise him. I praise him because I've been forgiven much. Come on here, Daphne. I praise him because I've been forgiven much.